Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. And it is my joy to introduce you to Lawrence Lowe. He likes to be called Larry. That's right. And he is the third of our four finalists for music director, conductor for the Waco Symphony Orchestra. And it's just been a delight to have a little time to sit down with these stellar musicians and just sort of pick their brain a little bit about yeah. how they came to this point, uh, what they think about Central Texas, what they, you know, how they want things to look. Yeah, I look forward to this conversation. <laughs> well, now we have had the chance to speak before during yep. our sort of process. Mm -hmm. We had more than 100 people apply for Stephen Hyde's <laughs> position uh, that he had for, you know, four decades at, or more than three decades at um, Waco Symphony. And, um, and when we'd called it down, three of us had three different people to talk to on videotape. And you were one of my, oh, that's, you were one that's of wonderful. my three. And oh, that's great. It was so much fun because we, we really got a chance to, and I asked the same questions of every, we, uh, that was one thing. This will not be, <laughs> I don't remember what I asked. Right, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> the, the but you kept fellas. it standardized. But kinda, but, it was yeah. very standardized for that, but, but it was so neat to, uh, to hear your responses and just, and I could tell even then how personable you are, and, and I think that really comes through, you know, to folks. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Well, yeah. I mean, it's important that, that you're a top-flight musician, but, you know, part of the job is also, you know, working with people. Absolutely, that's a it's a huge part of it, especially uh, because the conductor is a person recognized by the audience as a very you know recognizable part of the orchestra, and uh, if they can tell the story of what's happening, I think that's really important for just the relationship with the community and translating things that are happening. And uh, you know, we're we're kind of that conduit between these wonderful musicians and the and the audience as the person creating a space in which everyone can be their be at their best either performing or as a you know uh, as a person receiving the audience and and helping make that connection we're, we're that bridge well and, and we're visiting a day before the actual concert takes place but you're seeing this after the fact right so so you so it you went great <laughs> i know it's going to well because i i was able to uh, sit in a little bit on on rehearsal and really, really excited about the Aaron Copeland. Oh yes. Piece now was that one one of the pieces you got to choose, or I forget. Uh, yeah. So the artistic advisor is Miguel Harth Bedoya, who is the director of orchestras at Baylor currently. I know him actually from his time as a guest conductor with Den in in Denver with the Colorado Symphony, and then when he got the Fort Worth position as music director, I was the associate conductor in Dallas uh, Dallas Symphony at the same time. And he used to invite me to come over and conduct Fort Worth. And, uh, you know, we, we've 
known each other through the years. And so in this process, all four of the candidates were uh, collaborating with Miguel on creating the programs, and he picked one of the pieces, mm -hmm. and the Aaron Copeland Lincoln portrait was the piece that he picked. Oh, that he picked. Yes. All right. And so, but part of the process is to see what other things you, uh, as a conductor, want to pair with this just really iconic piece. Right. And that actually, Glenn Beals, right, right. a fabulous yes. singer yeah. that many people know in Central yes. Texas. Uh, what a voice. I mean, what a, what a he's, beautiful. He's wonderful. I mean, I was in tears last night at the rehearsal yeah. just when he first started. Yes. He, speaking. He is amazing. And uh, he is the narrator for the, the Copeland. And actually, the, the way the process worked with Miguel is that I presented the other pieces first, mm -hmm. and then he put that piece oh, in that at the end. Oh, is that how that worked? Okay. So, yeah. So, I think I th oh, it's cool. probably different with each uh, uh -huh. person, but the way that it worked is we actually first worked on um, deciding, or I, I submitted some ideas for mm -hmm. the second half, uh, which is the Shostakovich Fifth Symphony. And then he then suggested the Aaron Copeland as a way to um, provide some contrast. And the two pieces were written around the same time, mm -hmm. like five years uh, between them. And he also and I loved the idea that it would be an opportunity for us to collaborate with with someone uh, as a narrator because we we don't really have a like a guest concerto soloist or something like that on these programs. But for me, it was important that that we have some something a little bit different. And so then he thought of the the Copeland as a as a great piece to put in that position. And and then I was able to to find Glenn through. Um, a contact one of my best friends is a Baylor graduate who who did recitals with Glenn mm -hmm. who is also a Baylor graduate and you know wonderful tenor yeah. and and I thought you know because this is a piece that requires even though it's a spoken role it requires musicianship and you have he, to be able to read music. Yeah, you have to be able to read music, or I have to cue every single were, one of them. Yeah, but you were doing a great job of cueing. Well, I, I mean, and my cues uh, in, um, you know, just uh, in that rehearsal, because it was the first time we had gone through it, you will see that I was cueing less and less. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't really need me to cue right. him because he's reading right. the music. Yeah. Uh, so my cues were, and it's the same with the orchestra, honestly. When I give a cue, they are reading the music. They know when they're going to come in, but the cue is a confirmation and also a preparation and a how. You know, there are all these sort of um, gestural. Uh, there, there are so many meanings to the gestures that conductors give to mm -hmm. an orchestra or to a narrator that instill that should instill confidence and also a little bit of direction in terms of how to present whatever it is. So with Glenn last night, it was just. Um, you know, one, once he started, and I felt the same. I had goosebumps. Oh. It was. Oh, it, yeah. He's just. He has the perfect voice for this, mm -hmm. uh, for speaking. And uh, and, and I know and, and he's going to. It's gonna, a setting about Abraham Lincoln. Right. It's about right. Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. It's words about Abraham Lincoln as well as words that he spoke. So it's all oh. uh, you know collected by Aaron powerful. Copeland, and it's a, yeah. yeah, a very powerful piece. Yeah, had the opportunity to uh, hear you speak at a, a little brunch that the Waco Symphony Council, of course, which is the fundraising arm of the Waco Symphony. Um, and and I, was, I was struck by something that you said I hadn't really thought about, but how, how you as a conductor are aware of the acoustics 
in the room. And I'm thinking, they're, you know, we're in Waco Hall, and it has a certain acoustic property to it, and that can dictate how fast or slow you take a tempo? I mean, I've th- sure, yeah. Was, there's yeah. so many nuances of what yeah. you do that you're not just waving your arms. <laughs> right, 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 right. And I think, uh, so for example, you know, I've had three rehearsals, uh, final rehearsals tonight, yeah. uh, the dress rehearsal where we will run the whole program with some rehearsal, but at the end, but I run each piece. Uh, but through these first three rehearsals, it was a process of getting to know the acoustic and uh, and, I, and in this case, I didn't change the tempo, but I changed how long to play certain notes. Really? Uh, and, um, and, I, and I have them generally playing longer uh, in certain passages where in some overly reverberant rooms, you might need them to play shorter yeah. in order to be articulate enough. And in this case, uh, I have them playing a little longer to create a sense of, um, of a grand space yeah. that... Uh, that uh, because the the acoustic on the on the stage is a little drier, uh, we can create some of that ambiance just by playing a little bit longer, a little bit differently uh, after the arti- initial note starts. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the what well, we haven't even said. What you're doing, <laughs> what you're doing now, music director of a Symphoria in uh, Syracuse, New York. So you live in the Northeast. You kind of grew up in the Northeast. Yep. Yeah, I grew up in um, Central Pennsylvania. In Carlisle, which is, you know, the, there's an, um, the Interstate 81 and the Turnpike and the intersection is Carlisle. <laughs> um, home of Dickinson College, the Army War College, Jim Thorpe. Uh, and this, uh, this is a, it was a great small town to, to grow up. Uh, and my parents um, still live there and uh, we go there for Thanksgiving Aww. and uh, and um, and. We now live in Syracuse, where I'm music director of the orchestra up there, which is a very interesting orchestra. They are the successor to the Syracuse Symphony, and it is a cooperative orchestra. And what I love about this, and this is something that I would, I would do here, is that there are, there are a lot, a lot of voices in the orchestra, in other parts of what the orchestra does. For example, in programming. So in some orchestral situations, the music director picks pieces kind of in a vacuum and not necessarily in a collaborative way, and maybe sometimes occasionally asking for input from, from the mm-hmm. orchestra. Uh, but in Syracuse, we, I work with a team of musicians and community members and staff in putting programs together for the whole season. So there will be pieces that originated from you know, from, from a musician in the orchestra uh, that they pitch and that we discuss and uh, put together. And, and I think that that generates some really interesting ideas. And, um, and I love that I was able to collaborate with Miguel in this program in Waco. And I think that that's a sort of collaborative approach that I would, ex- uh, I, I know from my own experience mm-hmm. that I would want to, to replicate here in some way. Of course, the Waco Symphony blessed with so many outstanding professors in, yes. the, in the School of Music. Yes, you know, yeah. you you got some. We have top some flight some top flight musicians yes, and no some question. great minds and yeah. uh, people who know what's happening mm-hmm. in the in the industry. People who know repertoire, and uh, and I would love to 
to hear about those ideas yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some of the other things you, you've, you've worked with the Pittsburgh Symphony, the uh, Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, Syracuse Opera, Pittsburgh Youth Symphony, Dallas Symphony. Um, and I think you may have had a chance to meet with some folks, a good friend of mine with a Waco Youth Chorus. Yes, yep, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of great arts in Waco that you know, I can just see things working together yeah, even, you, even more so. For sure, you know the the symphony. The symphony here has this kind of unique uh, position in the cultural life of Waco, yes. in that they are able to collaborate with so many different mm -hmm. groups. Um, for example, obviously dance, and you know they do these amazing Nutcracker performances. Mm -hmm. To I think this year, uh, because they're so popular. And um, visual arts are something that can be collaborated uh, with with the orchestra. I've done concerts where we had a cartoonist on the stage I projecting their drawing onto a, a screen above the orchestra yeah. while we play music about, let's say, the flight of the bumblebee, and then they're writing, you know, they're they're drawing a <laughs> live incredible. cartoon to that. Yeah. And um, audiences love that sort of thing. You know, we have these incredible murals that I've been seeing around. The, uh, the city and uh to have that sort of thing happening live to music is absolutely uh, you know there are there are pieces of music written about uh about graffiti and that really? sort of th yeah yes yeah. um i believe carlos simon wrote a piece uh, about uh graffiti and you could easily create a um uh, a concert where something like that happens live to the music. So symph the symphony has virtually unlimited ways to collaborate with all the other arts organizations. Obviously, you mentioned, uh, you know, singing and choral, and you know, you sing in chorus as mm -hmm. well. That, um, that those sorts of collaborations are really important and um, absolutely in the wheelhouse of what's possible. Yeah, yeah I love the fact that, that part of your uh, academic training is in choral music. Right, yeah, my, my master's is choral. I, yeah, and, and you know what's funny about that is that I I didn't grow up singing except you know like I sing a hymn at church. Yeah. But um, but when I was in and I played clarinet and piano, uh, and when I was in high school, although it doesn't seem like it right now, I'm a tenor, um, and they needed tenors like everyone needs tenors oh, yeah. because it's a kind of a rare <laughs> voice a type. For tenors. Uh, and uh, and because I could read music I was um, recruited to sing in the chorus for I think there was a show choir that I was singing in as well as in like the musicals and yeah. um, and I started doing that even though I wasn't really I never at that point considered myself to be a singer just because I was uh, whatever uh, identified as a clarinetist primarily uh, and, and then it became this great way to express myself, which, uh, you know, the thing is, when you play piano or you play clarinet, uh, you're always emulating an ideal, which is actually a singing human voice. And, uh, and so why not, you know, focus on, on that as a, as a kind of basis for the way that we approach music? Mm -hmm. And so when I went to my undergraduate, which was at Rochester, University of Rochester, I was pre-med, but I also led the acapella group, this, the, the all-men's acapella group, and um, started taking voice at Eastman, the music school at Rochester, and then just started becoming very serious about developing that part of my musicianship. And so when I went to graduate school, I actually went into choral 
got that master's degree, and that has been so important through my life, uh, musical life as a conductor, not only in working with singers, but also preparing choruses and working with, in doing the Brahms Requiem or the Verdi Requiem or mm -hmm. conducting an opera. Uh, those are all um, areas in which, uh, if you're not comfortable working with singers and knowing how, uh, how it works firsthand, I think for, right. for me that kind of empathy is, uh, has really helped me uh, be as effective as I can be. And, you know, near here, I conduct Dallas Symphony every year for the uh, Christmas concerts, the holiday pops that now we you've do. you've been doing that for? I've been doing that for, uh, I think this is the 15th 15 year. 15 years. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And that is a huge collaboration yeah. with the orchestra, the Dallas Symphony Chorus, Dallas Symphony Children's Chorus, and wow. guest soloists. And uh, we put on these concerts that are, are just incredible. Uh, with so many people on the stage, and um, and I'm very comfortable with all of the different groups, so that's um, that has really helped me in uh, in that in particular. Hi, this is Sarah, and I'm Carter, and this is some of our thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine, wine and vinyl. vinyl. So check us out on RogueMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. <laughs> hey y'all, I'm April. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we have a new podcast for you. What's it called, Caroline? Uh, Bloody Happy Hour. It's going to be your new favorite guilty pleasure. We're going to talk about some bloody stuff. Serial killers. True crime. Rape. <laughs> Rapists. Why not join us? We'll have a good time. You literally never know. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Bloody Happy Hour. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com.
please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. decide to move into orchestral conducting? Uh, well, so the choral degree was my master's, mm -hmm. and then I went right into an opera orchestral program at IU, at mm -hmm. Indiana, and then transferred to Yale just because I, uh, I, I wanted to be in um, a smaller program than it was at Indiana, although I loved Indiana. This has nothing to do with that. I just, I felt like I just needed to be in a smaller uh, environment. And uh, and I was very interested in studying with this particular person at um, at Yale, Lawrence Layton Smith, and um, and so I went there, got an orchestral conducting artist diploma there, which is a little bit like a master's degree, mm -hmm. and uh, and then got my first position in orchestra. And and the thing that happens with uh, uh, orchestra or, or with conducting careers. Because I think it's something that's kind of, um, it's a weird area of expertise being a conductor. And I think within the conducting field, there are different tracks that people kind of fall into, at least from perception from the outside. Mm -hmm. I consider myself to be equally comfortable with opera, orchestral, and choral, or a combination of those. But if you're... Um, if your primary first position, first or second position is, let's say, choral, it's a little harder to jump to the next mm -hmm. track. And so my first job happened to be in Denver, Colorado, as a so associate conductor of the Colorado Symphony under music director Marin Alsop, who's wonderfully you know, uh, le uh, leading the, the, the symphonic world in, in many ways. She was my first boss. And, um, and that position kind of made me, I think, recognized as an expert in, in orchestral conducting. And then everything that I've gotten since has kind of been on that. And any, anything outside of that, I've kind of pushed my way into <laughs> those right, because sure. I was just interested in them. Yeah, right. But I wasn't necessarily the person that people thought of for, I don't know, some uh, choral or um, uh, an opera yeah. uh, conducting. So I do those, and I love doing them, and every time I get a chance to do those sorts of things, it's great. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely seen in that one path because it was my first job. You've, you've also had a chance to do a lot of great work in the pops. Yes, field. I love conducting pops. And work pops. with Chris Boddy and you know, yeah. some yep. amazing yep. artists that folks would certainly Yeah, know. yeah. So um, Jason Alexander. He's yeah. Uh, yeah, George Costanza. Okay, so what did he? So what did he? Well, do? he's a Tony Award winner, so he oh, he, a, yeah, he actually right. can sing. He's a singer, um, too, yeah. and uh, he was doing Broadway before getting Seinfeld. Yeah, and um, and then uh, and then he did Seinfeld, and then he after that wanted to go back into um, into singing on Broadway and and, yeah. and doing live stage. And it was funny because then he wasn't able to get the roles that he wanted. Uh, he, you know, he wanted to be whatever leading mm -hmm. man, um, and and he then started doing these symphony shows, which uh, he he doesn't do a ton of them. But I was very lucky to get to do 
uh, a weekend of those with him. And one of the things that he does is it's the, I forget what he t called it, but it was basically every role that he would never get picked for <laughs> a medley of those, of those, like from, uh, yeah, it, it just from, from all these yeah, random, see him as Carly, right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> and it was just kind of like a montage of music from, um, from musicals that he yeah. will never get cast in and he gets to sing them for the orchestra. And, and, and some of them, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing there conducting and he'll come up and use me as a prop, you know, like just seducing me or whatever. <laughs> and it was so fun to do that concert. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so I, I, and, and it was like a packed audience all oh, weekends sure. and, uh, worked with Adina Menzel a lot. She's, uh, from Wicked mm -hmm. and from Rent and, uh, Elsa, uh, Elsa from Frozen yeah. and, you know, she's, she's Amazing so famous voice, yeah. and, uh, Chris, Chris Barty and, uh, you know, all those, um, uh, incredible concerts with him uh and my you know particular affinity for john williams and doing these film concerts i i love doing those and i've worked with john williams so i have this that's uh, cool. personal connection with yeah, him so when when did you have the chance to work with uh john he came to pittsburgh to do a concert where he donated his time to a completely sold out oh. concert that uh you know he did not get paid for and the orchestra was able to raise a lot of money for mm -hmm. that uh, sold out uh, weekend, and um, I prepared the orchestra for him, and then assisted him on the stage, and was completely starstruck. And you know, he's <laughs> sure. written so many things that oh. that we all love, and yeah. um, and so getting to do that with him uh, has what was a huge uh, opportunity for me to to get to know the kind and generous person that's behind all that wonderful music that we relate to so strongly because the the emotions that we see on this on the on the screen for let's say the end of et or whatever mm -hmm. it is so much of that comes from the music you know yes, if you no watch question. the same scene on mute it's just not going to have the same effect or just the speaking it's all of that combined and so the music you cannot separate uh, and uh, and just listening to the music triggers a lot of those emotions. So I love doing those concerts. I think that they are. I know that Waco is doing a um, like a sci-fi kind of uh, movie yes, film music concert. Yes, because of the eclipse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's up. perfect yeah, timing. Be a people yes. Oh yeah. That's going to be in Waco. On right. The 8th you have of a very April. clear view. Yeah. Uh, and that um, and that sort of uh, concert gives us an opportunity to reach new audiences yeah. and um and also perform music that so many of us uh so many of us love because of uh the the films that we also love and yeah. um yeah so it's a great opportunity well one thing we have not done yet but i'm anxious for it to happen and that is to do a movie with the live orchestra right you've, you've done that i've done that quite a bit um yeah. in the last I mean, couple years yeah you know we want younger people coming Yep. And, I mean, they'll come for those. Yeah, those are very uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, to, to and do dress up in the costumes. Right, you can do. So, so um, for people who don't know what those are, we will perform, for example, the last thing I did was Amadeus. So um, in yeah. Dallas, we did the film Amadeus, which yeah. in this case, the music written by Mozart or Salieri. And, um, and we play the music with the orchestra and in this case the chorus straight through from beginning to end of movie the audience comes to the concert hall s watches the movie with the dialogue with the sound effects but there's no music in the in what's coming out of the speakers the music 
the soundtrack is coming from the live performance yes. of the orchestra, and in this case, the chorus on the stage. And we don't get to redo takes. You know, we just do the, the oh, whole yeah. thing straight through. <laughs> you just keep going. Um, you could do you could do Star Wars this way. Uh, you could do Back to the Future, oh, Jurassic the, the Park, Harry Potter movies. Harry Potter movies. Very popular. We're doing those in Syracuse. We're doing Jurassic Park up uh. there. Um, and someday, someday. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and if it. I'm here, you know, that's that's something that that I would love to do cool. because I know that it reaches new audiences. Oh, and yeah. also these crazy fans, I, I count myself among them. <laughs> <laughs> who would stand in those lines on premiere day for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And it is the, a very similar feeling to come to the concert hall, stand in a line, and walk in and experience the movie with the music elevated in this way. Oh, well, I, I, get, I have the great blessing for many years now to narrate for the children's concerts. And to see these fourth and fifth graders, many of them never been to the Baylor campus, never been in Waco Hall, never heard a live orchestra. And when they first hear that music, the oh, just yeah. the expressions on their faces, it's just worth so much. That must be so see. fun for you oh, to watch. Because you it is unlike us, you're you can see what they're I'm doing. Watching, and I We're facing I'll the wrong way. A little yeah. video. One little boy, I've I think the same little boy in the last two years, he's conducting Yeah. Oh I <laughs> love it. Every I love it. Yeah. Oh oh I do too I do too. I'd love to switch roles at some point yeah. and be the person who's facing out the whole yeah. whole time because I know that the audience is experiencing something amazing, yeah. but I can't always watch it. I can feel it, uh, and I certainly can see it when I turn around. But while it's happening, it would oh, it would yeah. be a little weird if I turned well, around and, and watched it. Well, you mentioned Miguel and, yeah. and, uh, and Miguel Harthadoya, who I've talked to about coming on this podcast. So we're yeah. planning. Yeah, that'd we're be great. planning that. Um, he, you know, he comes out and and he starts speaking to the crowd in Spanish at times. And one little girl, the look on her face was like. He's speaking my language. Oh, that's wonderful. It was worth a jillion dollars oh, because that, amazing. that connection then was there immediately. And we had those kids in the palm of the hand Yeah. for the rest of it. And wonderful. how many musicians might come out of that experience? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, to for me, sure. it's just a joy to get yep. to do that um, in conjunction with him. But we've come <laughs> to the end <laughs> of our time. And I like, to, I like to end these with a little questionnaire similar to the one the late great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actors Studio. Okay, yeah, so these sure. are these are my take on the question. Okay. What is your favorite word? Word. Um, extraordinary. Yeah. I love that word because it it describes something that's special uh, and different, not ordinary, something you don't encounter every day, and and I very often think of that about. A particular performance or experience. What is your least favorite word? Oh, I mean, if I was not creative, I'd say ordinary. <laughs> um, but let's see. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a word that describes uh, phoning it in. I think yeah. that that, I mean, I. Let's that, say that that's, that's a word. Yeah. Let's say that that's a word, uh, yeah. because I think very often, in any discipline, uh, it is possible to get to the point where you phone it in, yeah. and I never want to get to that point. I right. never want to experience life without trying to find the fullest potential. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, one of the questions. Now I recall one of the questions we were asking those initial. You know, how do you handle? 
hopefully it would never happen in the Waco Symphony, but about a musician that just hasn't prepared the music. Yeah. And and I guess there are times when you have to figure out how to yeah that <laughs> inspire or boost. Yeah. At, right. I mean, I'm sure you have to whatever. face that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and there's certain things outside of our control in right, terms of right, uh, right. how they feel. Right. Um, but we always have to. Sometimes well, I mean, it's it, right. It, but it's very important for a person who is, let's say, running the rehearsal conductor, to be in a position where they are able to be at their best and the most inspiring and the most energetic, in order to get the best results mm-hmm. from um, from musicians. So, I mean, I think I think I can say boring uh, as a kind of parallel word to phoning it in because I think that that's a, that can be the result of what happens if you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Hmm. Well, I mean, I can just describe. I think a, a person that doesn't have an overly conscious idea of, of how they are perceived, mm-hmm. um, so a lack of self consciousness not self-awareness like but uh i think a person who is a person that inspires me is someone who clearly is doing things because it's their passion Mm -hmm. and not because they want to look good or they want to be perceived in a certain way in a way that's kind of a couple steps away from their genuine self Mm -hmm. and and uh and it's something that's very difficult for us as human beings because we are self-conscious we are uh concerned about how we're perceived um but in certain let's say i I think in creative uh situations like creating a concert and and rehearsing the less you see that in a leader the better because then they can truly be going for what they what they truly feel passionate about without worrying about if i say it this way might make me sound this way or might make them think of me this way and I say this because I think I'm naturally probably self-conscious and probably um, had, especially early in my career, struggled with with that because I'm you're worried about doing things the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think as a young conductor, I was very uh, concerned about those sorts of things, and I'm much less now. And, and I'm very thankful for that, and it's what gets me excited and it's what uh, I think keeps me true to myself when I'm up there. Mm-hmm. I love to ask this question of musicians. What is your favorite sound? Sound. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, uh, and it would be trite for me to say the sound of the orchestra, but I'm going to go with the sound of the orchestra. Okay. And, 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 and that's a general thing because there are so many sounds that are possible from an orchestra. Yeah. Just a, 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 the orchestra we have on the stage, there, there are combinations of instruments that create an incredible sound. Uh, for example the end of the third movement of the Shostakovich, there's a duet between harp and celeste, and they're on opposite sides of the hall of the stage, and they and they combine to create a single sound that is not possible with any single instrument, and and that is one of the many billions of sound combinations that are possible with an orchestra that uh, can move an audience. And you know, I'm thankful for composers for thinking of those things and then for musicians for bringing them to life. Mm-hmm. Okay. What sound do you hate? <laughs> um, oh, I, uh, <laughs> I hate uh, 
sounds that don't go away. You know, like if there is a um, like a, a frequency, like a low frequency oh, yeah. coming from some, you know, like if I'm on a plane and the, the constant sound of the, the engine, uh, especially if it's a pitch, you know, I think that that, that it can be very oh, infuriating. Really um, yeah. And so, yeah, so then I, you just, you, it, it's, it's great to be able to get quiet and that's why you have all these noise canceling headphones and things like that that really help. But those, those, those sorts of things, you know, you're, you're helpless because they're just drilling into your head, um, in particular low frequencies that, that also vibrate. I mean, that's, that's a really terrible, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, or you can feel the vibrations. They're always vibrating. That's how the, the sound itself is actually happening. But the lower sounds have a physical feeling and that cannot go away. And I hate, you know, I hate, I hate that if it's not something that I'm yeah. actively pursuing, you know, yeah. like, uh, for example, the beginning of, um, also Sprach Zarathustra, this great tone poem. Sure. Uh, it, it begins with the very low instruments of the orchestra playing this low C and it's like a rumble and that's a good rumble, that yeah. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. What other profession would you like to have tried? Oh, you know, I think, I, I actually was asked this question earlier, um, not, not here, but just someone asked me that and I was thinking about when I considered those things, and that was during the pandemic, you know, mm. because during the pandemic, yeah, a lot of orchestras lot of not doing things. Or reassessing uh, things, And yeah. I think a lot of people were thinking about that. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, I would probably be the sort of person, because I like working with people, I like uh, being collaborative. Uh, I would want to work in a similar kind of situation where I'm working with people, either uh, in some sort of business field or even... Um, I don't know, local politics, whatever it is where you're just trying to rally the troops. Uh -huh. I think that sort of uh, uh, career would, be, would have been very interesting for me. I don't think I would have thought that when I was a kid. Yeah. But as I, as I grow older, as I'm more interested in what's happening in society in general, I think that this is something that I think about a lot, and I think that I would be a person who might be able to contribute or at least be a helper or something uh, because... Uh, you know, I want the society in which we live to be good, and um, and so I I would uh, I would be a fierce advocate for that, and um, and I could see myself at some point, um, well, maybe not, maybe it won't happen, but I could see myself being that sort of person, uh, just because I think it's my nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. What job or profession do you know you would not want to do? No, thank you. Um. Well, <laughs> I mean, I could pick an easy one. I, I, uh, I don't think that I would be a good, you know, like mountain guide. <laughs> and the only reason I say I've that, never heard that uh, okay, like a Sherpa or something like that, because the thing is, I come from, I, I live with these people, who, you know, in my family, they all love to climb mountains. And oh, they're, really? they're, yeah. yeah. And, and so I go with them uh -huh. usually. But Colorado's a great place. reluctantly, right, right? Yeah, Colorado is uh, um, where my Didn't my wife's family's from. Thing? Yeah, yeah, we I've done a lot of fourteeners. Compagre. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's not it, it's not my favorite thing to do, yeah, but I no. will go. <laughs> there are times you think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just get like, a helicopter to fly. Like I, I, I I'll be on the I'll be on the mountain and thinking like I'm never gonna get up there. <laughs> no. 
I thought that was the peak, but it's not. There's it's another not. one that's there's back there. There's a lot more. And then there's the right. slaggy you stuff. Obviously, you speak this from experience. Right. Yeah. Luca Pagra, we've done yeah. you know, on Sunshine and yeah, yeah. It's just, those I mean, right those, there in Southwest Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of, it's just absolutely one of those uh, things where I, every time I'm up there, I, I have a little bit of uh, of regret, you know. I I will feel like, why did I do that? And then, then I'll be kind of like, if a helicopter doesn't rescue me, I think I'm okay just lying well, here until know, the end. Well, you know, but then my son was kind of encouraging me. This was incompatible, and then I see a six year old clamoring her way yeah, down. Yeah, that's infuriating. <laughs> go, yeah, okay, like, why? Really okay, all right. To do this. So that's oh. enthusiastic and <laughs> that's great, what and I not me. I hadn't thought yeah. of those fourteeners in a while, but that's that's great. Yeah. That's an experience. Um, finally, when you arrive at the pearly gates, what do you want to hear the Lord say? Oh, job well done. Yeah. You know, I think I just I hope that I can live a a life where I feel um, feel that I've done my best in every way, and um, I don't want to f- feel any regret. Oh, Lawrence Lowe, Larry Lowe, you are just a delight. And uh, we are experiencing this week with you a job well done, and we appreciate your talents so much and your time with us. Thank you, Ann. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Join us again for Central Texas Life. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.